The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. Step out of the shadow. Step out of the shadow. Step out of the grave. Break into the wild. And don't be afraid.
build my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ.
This week, uh, as I was driving, I was listening to the radio, and I don't remember which program it was, but they were they were talking about dedication and how how it's important a part of all of our lives. You know, we've got some basketball coaches in here who've probably used that word at least once a day. You know, and we used it with our kids when we were showing livestock. You know, you, you need some dedication to be successful at this. And they were talking about the importance of true dedication well i wanted to think about it and i wrote this down so i'd get it right the definition of dedication is the willingness to give a lot of time and energy to something because it is worth it 
Okay, so that all makes sense to us. But then on this talk show, they changed one letter. And instead of saying dedication, they talked about dad-ication. Okay, we all know what we're talking about there, but isn't it funny how changing one letter completely changes the focus of our dedication? Okay, now, ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook. This is not for guys only, but what we're talking about is dedication to our families. And the importance of putting time and energy into something because it is worth it. Shifting away from just our kids, that's how God views us. God has dedicated himself to us. We all know 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries to God for he cares about you. But the first verse probably most of us all learned as a memory verse was, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's dedication. He's devoted to us. You know, so if we try to challenge ourselves, how how do we become dedicated to God? They give us a, Paul gives us a clue in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul writes, devote or dedicate yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. We dedicate ourselves back to God through prayer. It's it's an intricate part of our relationship, of our closeness. You know, like when a basketball coach is talking to his team about dedication, he has to have communication with them. Same thing as God has dedicated himself to us in order for us to truly dedicate our lives back to him, we have to have communication. That's that's what I want us to focus on today as we partake of the communion because these elements that we're about to partake of, it's not just a ritual. It should really sting your heart when you think about the definition of this word, the willingness to give a lot of time and energy to something because it is worth it. We are worth it. We were worth the most perfect gift that has ever been, and he did that for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love and your faithfulness to us, and the dedication to us that you paid the price for our sins to give us eternity with you in heaven of bliss because you thought we were worth it. Father, draw us closer to you and help us to think back on those things and to truly appreciate the love, the sacrifice, and the dedication that you've shown to us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1963, a guy named Chet Powers was uh, performing under the stage name Dino Valenti, and he was part of the San Francisco sound. He was writing and recording with the Haight-Ashbury crowd and all of that, and he wrote this song, Let's Get Together. Uh, he couldn't get much of it. The Kingston Trio was the first one to record in 1964. It was an album track. It didn't go anywhere, but it stayed in that that San Francisco sound and feel until 1967 in a band called the Youngbloods. Four guys that picked up on this song. They recorded it, released it. It went absolutely nowhere. It got all the way to 63 on the charts. Nobody heard of them. It kind of disappeared. But it stayed again in that San Francisco uh, style. But it wasn't until 1969 that the song was used as a radio promo for a group called the National Conference of Christians and Jews, which I think is pretty poignant right there. It was kind of a popular ad, so they re-released the song in 1969, exactly as it was recorded, and it went all the way to number two. It was huge. It was covered. It has been covered by the likes of Jefferson Airplane, Richie Havens, Nirvana, John Denver. How often are you going to hear Nirvana and John Denver in the same sentence, all right? Belinda Carlisle, Linda Ronstadt, and that version that you just heard from a band called Big Mountain. It was a part of The Simpsons. And fun fact, you can wow your family with this. In 1971, in the U.S. House of Representatives, a bill was introduced to make that song our new national anthem. Not even making that up. And obviously it didn't succeed, okay? We've still got Star Spangled Banner, but... Think of what's going on in the country at that time. 1971, Vietnam, conflict, war. Everybody's at everybody's throats. And this song comes out and says, come on, people. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Let's love one another right now. It's an absolutely perfect theme for this series on anothering. And it comes from that verse that uh, Laurel read earlier in John 13, 35. Your love from, for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We're in this series called Anothering. We just started last week. It's fleshing out what being a Christ follower will be like. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. If you're online or on the radio, welcome in. Uh, I'm going to read from the Holman Christian Standard Version today. Sometimes I do New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you one. We want to be a Bible-believing church and a Bible-using church. We want them open. We Use your apps. Use your iPad. We're fine with that. I, I'm not really pushy on any of those things. But last week, we started this talking about being members of one another, that God did not design us to be Christians by ourselves. In fact, that concept is anti-biblical. But there's one little problem with that. People can really be annoying, you know? It can really be hard to be along with other people when they're so annoying. How do we practice this 
idea and this concept of anothering. Well, today we're going to look at it in this way, by carrying each other's burdens. Join me in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, Let's go back and unpack some of that. I think it's interesting to me that the context of carrying one another's burdens is in the, it's, it's in the context of struggle. Did you notice how it started? If someone is overtaken by wrongdoing, overtaken in wrongdoing, sin, pain, struggle, now, some versions are going to say if a believer is overtaken in sin, but most of the commentaries I talked to and looked at said it really is translated better any person, any man or woman that is caught in wrongdoing. I know this is going to be a shocker to you, but people sin. I know. I Boom, right there. It just, I, I dropped all kinds of craziness on you. But what's really interesting, we as a family are not called to gripe. We're called to restore. We're called to restore and, and lift up. Now, it's sad that the church universal, I'm not talking about Central here or, or even in Pertels. I'm talking church universal is, has a bad reputation for shooting our wounded. Is that a fair to, statement to say? We've typically, when people get hurt, we hurt them worse. And, and I, I'm sad about that. It says gently and humbly in the NLT. In, the, in this one, it says with a gentle spirit. Our group response to pain is individually humbling ourselves. Wait, what? But they're the ones that sinned. They're the ones that messed up. Why, why do we have to lower ourselves? Because to lift somebody up, we've got to lower ourselves. Anothering is the practice of drawing close to another person. And that's going to require some humility. It's going to re require us to get out of the way. The New Living Translation in, in verse 1, it says, help them back on the right path. I love how that reads. You know what it doesn't say? Wag your finger at them. It doesn't say give them dirty looks. It doesn't say shun them, kick them out. It says, come beside them and help them onto the right path. Friends, we cannot help a burden unless we come close to a burdened person. It's just a requirement. Now, Paul gives us a warning in there. He says, hey, be careful of yourself. Don't put yourself in a dumb situation. I want to pick on one particular struggle. Let's just say that you have struggled with the battle of alcoholism. Would it be good idea then, because I know you're struggling, but you're battling through, and you want to help other people, so let's all go to the bar together. Mm, probably not the best choice, right? Uh, so you, you don't put yourself in bad situations, but maybe you can help in other ways. You can help in that battle. He says, don't get yourself in a bad situation, but it doesn't exempt us from being near other people. He starts talking about sin, but it shifts into this phrase, burdens. Bring all of your burdens. Bring all of your scars. 
Come back to communion. Come back to the start. That's how we started today. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. If you're old school hymn, you might recognize that one. The premise of anothering is walking alongside people with burdens. But here's a problem. The church is often, and way too often, the most risky place to be spiritually honest. And that's a shame. I don't want anybody struggling, but we need to be honest in here that we're struggling, that we have battles. So we've come to the part where we're going to have a little audience participation time. Okay, I'm going to make some statements, and I'm going to ask for your participation. At first, I, th- I thought, well, we'd stand up and do jumping jacks. All kind of, I'm not going to make you do that, okay? No aerobic church today. But I am going to res- ask you a couple of things. I'm going to read off a list of statements. And I want, the, I want you to hear the statement, and I want you to think about you, your immediate family, and your immediate friend group, okay? Can we do it from that way? And I want you to think in the last couple of years, And so when I ask you to, if this applies to you, raise your hand. But when you raise your hand, look around and see how many other hands are raised. Can we do that? Okay, just checking. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Thank you, Wayne. Wayne was awake. All right, here we go. If these apply to you or your family or friend group, in the last two years, if you or somebody close to you has dealt with the pain of death, would you raise your hand? Okay, look at all the hands that are up. Okay, put them down. Several more statements. Go with this. If in the last couple of years, you or somebody close to you has dealt with significant health issues. Raise your hand. Okay. If you or someone close to you has seen up close and personal in the last couple of years the pain of divorce. Hurts. If you or someone close to you has seen and experienced addiction of some kind, alcohol, drugs, okay? If someone close to you has felt overwhelmed by financial stress. Ooh, a lot of hands going up. If you've been around somebody, maybe it's a coworker, or a friend group, or your circle of influence that has has seen despair and has said something to this effect. I just don't think I can do this anymore. Now look around. I didn't take notes, okay, but I would be willing that everybody in there could have raised their hand to something. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? What it tells me is we're a place filled with broken people. We're not perfect. I'm not Franklin's. We don't have it all figured out. But what is weird to me is we are all trained very early to put on that church face, right? Yes, sir. Glad to see you, sir. I tied my tie, right? Here we are. Hello. How are you? And we put this happy face on like everything is fine and I have no problems. Now, if you were with us last week, Mike Cohn gave us a great challenge that streams of mercy will pour from us. I want us to have that attitude. But there are some times where I'm not feeling very grace-filled. Anybody? And we need to be in a place where we can share that and be open with each other. You see, to carry one another's burdens, we have to accept burdens. doesn't mean we approve 
of their burdens. It doesn't mean we understand others' burdens. In fact, some of the problems sometimes is we think they should think like we think. You know what I mean? That, well, you're still struggling with that? How come you haven't gotten over it? You're still carrying on that grief? Why haven't you gotten over that? We look at people and we see theirs and we say, well, I got through it. How come you can't? You see, we need to we need to accept their burdens right where they are in the same way that Jesus says it to us. We love people right where they are. And in this verse, he even says why. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Well, I, law of Christ, I thought Ten Commandments. What, what is this all about? What, what is, on earth does that even mean? In a nutshell, what we call L1 and L2. If you've been here for a while, you know L1 and L2. You've seen the shirts. You've seen the banners. Law 1 was when a guy asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Well, you need to love God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And the second is equal to it. Law number 2 is love your neighbor as yourself. In these, that is the law of Christ. Now, most of us grew up with the golden rule, right? Do unto others before they do it to you. Um, or some close facsimile thereof. I don't, I don't know. But no, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? We know the golden rule. Jesus comes along with a platinum rule. He says, I want you to do to others what I do to you. Now, that just changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Thank you so much, Wayne, for your words today. Of encouragement as we, as we hang on to commit, communion, what He has done for us. We need to love them like I love you. One of my favorite stories about a guy named G.K. Chesterton, who was a, a big philosopher and teacher and speaker. He was speaking at a college one time, and you know, giving his sermon, whatever you call it. And they were doing a Q and A, and he was standing up there, and one of the the kids lofted him up this softball, and he said, "If you were bar- if you were going to be stranded on a desert island and you could only take one book with you, what would you take?" And he, you know, he is a preacher and a poet and a philosopher and an educator and this kid offers him up this softball like that you know expecting him to say the bible because you know and it was this real big spiritual moment and gk chesterson sits there and thinks for a minute he goes if i'm going to be stranded on a desert island i can only take one book with me i want to take thomas's book of boat building See, sometimes we overthink things. <laughs> sometimes we need it to be super practical. I, I'm not against the Bible, you know that, but it, sometimes we need to get practical. How do we practically carry one another's burdens? How do we do it, really? Well, I think it comes in two arteries. And two arteries, one is in serving and one is in walking. Now, if you picked up one of these or if it was in your uh, Sunday sheet, this menu of ministry, if you didn't, there's some out there. Pick them up on the way home. I'd, I'd like you to take them with you. I'm not going to try to pass them out right now. But on this menu of ministry, on one side are core values, what we believe. You may be new here. You may haven't visited for a while. You're like, what do we do? This kind of some idea. But this menu of ministry, it gives you some of the focal areas that we have here, from youth and family to uh, 
kids zone to ladies Bible study. We talked about our college age Bible study. Our ladies Bible study is going to kick off in a couple of weeks. We're going to kick off Wednesdays in the Word. You see all of these other opportunities if you go on down there. There's a men's group that's meeting in here on Saturday morning. And they're just praying together and, and encouraging one another. Maybe you want something like that. One of the things that you'll see some of the flyers about is our XO conference. That's our marriage enrichment conference. It's coming up the last weekend in February. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. And it's for young marrieds, old marrieds, middle marrieds, anybody. Dating, uh, maybe you're single. I talked to a single guy that he wants to come so he can learn what to look for. Uh, duh, that's good. All right. And, and how to go through some of these things. Well, maybe, though, you want to just meet with some people. I think that part of this is serving. Because when we're serving, let's be honest, we get outside of our own problems, right? We stop whining about what we're dealing with because I'm helping out. This is not about guilting you into helping out in Kid Zone. That is not what I'm here to do, okay? But I want you to understand part of, part of carrying one another's burdens is serving another. But another part of it is just walking with somebody else. Sometimes it's just walking. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a couple of people that said, hey, I'm going to have coffee on Tuesday at 10 a.m. at this place. If y'all want to talk and pray, meet me there. That's it. I mean, no Bible study, no organ, just to, just to be with people. Uh, we had a couple of guys that are doing our Uversion. Uh, we've partnered with Uversion here at Central, and we've got devotionals that go out. You can download the app. It's super easy. It's all free. And they were doing the devotionals together at, at, very, at their own sites. And they said, hey, can we do this together? Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, there's, there's ways to do that. What if several of you got in text groups and just said, hey, this is what this verse meant to me today. I just want to walk alongside you. I want to encourage you. How can I pray for you today? We have prayer groups that we have prayer, uh, our prayer team that meets in the prayer room afterwards. We have camp sponsors. We help at funeral meals. We, we have, we have parts of our church family that have people over to eat at their house all the time. And they just, they just pouring into families. You see, I think that is walking together. Some of it is in serving, but some of it's just being beside each other. Look at this to see if this follows with you. If we would practice walking and serving once per week, I got to look and we, we probably average anywhere from 300 to 400 every weekend here at Central. Saturday night, two Sunday services, Kid Zone, all of these things. Let's just split the difference, say 350. If 350 of us would choose this week to serve at least once and walk with somebody at least once, do you realize we would touch 36,000 lives this week? That's stunning. If we would just multiply like that, if we would just keep doing that, there's only 15,000 people in our town. If we would continue to walk with people and serve one of people, 36,000 lives this year would be touched. Anothering is not just a cute word. It's a mandate. It was April the 25th, 2019. Colin Dozier was driving home from his work. He was a, a teacher and a wrestling coach at a high school in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He was driving home, and he, he, he always passes over this thing called the Lessner Bridge. 
As he got close, he saw over on the side, before he got to the bridge, a car with the doors open, seemingly abandoned. Oh, well, whatever. And he was about to drive by, and he said, the Holy Spirit just told him, you need to stop, find out what's going on. So he pulls over, and he no more gets out of the car, and he looks out on the bridge, and he sees a man getting ready to jump to his death getting ready to commit suicide. His name was Jacob. He didn't know that at that time. And he didn't know at that time that Jacob that day had taken over $3,000 worth of meth, PCP, heroin, and cocaine. It was actually his third suicide attempt that week. And he didn't plan on making a fourth one. He was going to finish the job. So Colin Dozier uh, is this guy. He jumps out, and he sees this guy. He's up on the edge, and he's teetering, and he knows everything's all messed up. And he just yells out, hey, man, don't do it. God loves you. That's all he said. And he starts getting closer to him and talking to him, and Dozier's trying to calm him down. He never says, I know what you're feeling, man. I know what you're going through. No, no, he just says, he says this, I've gone through a lot of hard times in my life, and the only thing that got me through was turning to the Lord. And it looked like Jacob, the guy that was on the, the wall, was starting to calm down. But about that time, the police showed up. And the lights and the sirens and everything seemed to amp back up. And he got a little scared. And he reached in his, his coat, and it looked like he was going to pull out a gun. And so Dozier, being a wrestling coach, dived at him, rolled over on him, tackled him on the bridge, and kind of laid on top of him and saved his life. And of course, we all want to do that. Of course, we all want to save a life in some dramatic way. But the wrestling move isn't what saved him. It's what happened after. You see, Dozier stayed with him. The police obviously took him into custody. He was high as a kite. They got him settled down. They got him into a rehab facility. Got him started cleaning out and, and, and starting to straighten up his life. Jacob had dealt with drugs and confusion for many, many years. And they were trying to straighten him out. But Dozier got his number, and he started texting him. And he started visiting him on visiting days and wanted to encourage him. He said, when you get out, we're going to have coffee twice a week. And it was after one of these coffees, after about three weeks of meeting with him, that Dozier led Jacob to the Lord. At that time, he had been 10 or 11 years of doing heavy drugs, confusion, and depression. And as of this last week, he's four years sober. Now, Colin Dozier was given the Virginia Life Saving Award. The governor, the mayor, news, everything got up there, and they asked Jacob how he felt about it. And Jacob will tell you to this day that Dozier didn't save his life on that bridge. He saved him with the day-to-day talking to him. You see, anotherers, this word anothering that we're using, anotherers will walk with one another every day. You might be sitting there saying, but Don, are you kidding? You, you, you're telling me you want me to go to church. You want me to read my Bible. You want me to study. You want me to feed people and encourage people and, and serve people. And now you want me to walk with somebody else? Yeah, actually I do. That's exactly what we're asking. But this is not about guilt. This is about that platinum rule that by this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus assumes that intentional discipleship will require intentional relationships. 
that on purpose you will be with somebody. He never gave anyone a self-help Christianity course. You can do this on your own. You don't need the church. You don't need people. He never gave that. He never gave you a, 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 an idea that said, I can do this without anybody or anything. I can just follow Jesus at home, on the Internet, reading blogs. Everything's fine. I don't believe that. I believe he says in Scripture that we do it in community. You see, no one can really sustain the pursuit of the life that he lived by themselves. If you were with us last week, we showed a clip from Coach Carter, the movie Coach Carter, and it was Channing Tatum's character in the movie that says, Hey, Coach, you said if one of us wins, we all win. If one of us loses, we all lose. So I'll do his push-ups. You see... Following Jesus, real followers, real anotherers know that it's a team sport. In fact, anothering is the evidence that we're even on the team. Write this one down, 1 John three fourteen. It's on the back of your Sunday sheet. Go home and look it up in context. He says, if we love our brothers and sisters, it proves we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. You know what it doesn't say? Being baptized is proof you have moved from death to life. Now, we believe in baptism, and we want to offer baptism to you. But that's not proof of the Holy Spirit being in you. Well, church attendance, no. It doesn't say church attendance is the proof of a change. You know what the true and only evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Answer this question. Do you love more and better now than before you met Jesus? Simple question. Do you love more and better now than before you met Jesus? J.R.R. Tolkien spent 12 years writing The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. It was originally intended to be a two-book set, but it became a three-book trilogy. Uh, It was a sequel to The Hobbit from 1937, one of the greatest stories ever. It was an interesting story. And a few years back, there was a movie adaptation of this. Uh, it was tasked to a guy named Peter Jackson, who at that time was not very well known, had only done some B-movies, and this heavy, heavy story was put on him. They spent 14 months recording this in New Zealand, 14 months filming and getting it right. They spent $94 million getting this movie made. It made just a hair over $3 billion. So I'm going to say it was fairly a uh, good investment. <laughs> It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. It won all of them. It was the highest. Nobody had ever done that before. It was the first movie to ever win everything at all. It got nominated for. And if you know the story, then you know the imagery. Samwise Gamgee and uh, Frodo Baggins and Gollum are trying to return this ring. And they're battling nature and they're battling the enemy. And they're battling themselves, a paranoia inside themselves in a fight. You see, their quest was to take this ring back to Mount Doom, to get rid of this ring. And the only one that could carry it was Frodo. And, and it was the purpose of that was to save the Shire. And we all got together and went, Rudy, Rudy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sean Astin's speech there at the end. Man, it's anothering 101. It's, it's, it's base level counseling. He, 
He starts out, and he, did you notice he says, do you remember the Shire, Mr. Frodo? He's trying to get him to focus on something good. And, and then he starts talking about all of the summer barley and the strawberries and the cream. Do you, do you remember how that tastes? He's trying to create hope in a situation that seemed hopeless. And then that incredible statement, I cannot carry it for you. But I can carry you. You see, that is somebody that is walking alongside somebody. Now that might mean this week you have to carry somebody physically. Maybe it means emotionally. Maybe you need to listen more. Maybe somebody is going to take a little too much of your time this week. But we're going to be anotherers. And we're going to carry their burdens and we're going to carry them to the foot of the cross. So really is... The only thing that's left is this question. Will you carry the burdens of another? Because that, that's anothering. And that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your mercy and for your grace. That so many times we are broken and we come to you needing Mending, needing healing. So, Father, I'm praying that healing power on lives. I'm praying that peace that doesn't make any sense to us, but it's because of you that we come just as we are, broken in need of mending. Thank you, Father. Give us eyes that see people hurting. Give us ears to listen to how people are struggling and to help them back on the right path. We love you. We glorify you. We praise you through the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.